be seated. Be seated. Well, when you think about Christmas, one of the things that you think about is gifts, our gifts. So what are you going to get for Christmas this year? Million dollars. Million dollars. All right. Be sure, you tithe, be sure you tithe on that, Peaches. <laughs> we had a practice at our house that uh, we always took the gifts and we'd put them under the tree. They're usually two or three weeks ahead of Christmas. There'd be gifts starting to show up under the tree. And what do you do when you start seeing those gifts show up? We, exactly. Go over there and you look, and there's a tag on there usually, and it's my name on there. Who it's from. But really, what you want to know is what's in there, right? We we always uh, in our family we always uh, open gifts one at a time, so that, and that's kind of hard on little kids. But we had them open it one at a time because we wanted to make sure that they opened the gift and then they acknowledged the person that gave them the gift. So what I want you to think about this morning is, notice the first place on the outline to fill in, is your focus on the gift or on the giver of the gift? And I think most of us have to acknowledge we don't focus on the giver as much as we focus on the gift. It's usually, what did I get? What do I want for Christmas? What am I going to get for Christmas? Especially when you're young. So I want you to look with me in Luke chapter 17. If you brought your Bible, if you didn't, there's one under the seat there. Page 1050 is Luke chapter 17. I want to begin in verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. In other words, they were, they were healed. One of them, <laughs> one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. I'd never noticed that before. Looked at this passage a lot of times, never, I never noticed that it was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So ten lepers, probably if you know anything about the New Testament at all, you know about this story. Ten lepers, Samaritans, interestingly enough, were, the way we would say it now would be, they were, they were those people. Do you have any other, do you have any of those people in your life? 
they were, uh, we've talked about this some before, and you've probably heard it other places as well, that Samaritans were, it actually started before the captivity, uh, 700 years uh, B.C., but it was exacerbated during the captivity when uh, the Persians, Iranians today, the Persians came in and conquered Jerusalem and took the best and the brightest and hauled them to, to Persia and left the kind of ordinary people behind. So they wanted the best and the brightest so it would help their culture, help their cause, they could contribute to, the, to their society. And those that they left behind intermarried with some other cultures, some other, other nations, and actually moved the center of worship from Jerusalem to Mount Gerizim. I don't know if you remember Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal in the Old Testament, but uh, when Moses stood and, and spoke the blessings and the curses, he spoke the blessings to Mount Gerizim and the curses to Mount Ebal. Follow the Lord, this, this will be good, this will happen. If you don't follow the Lord, this is what will happen. So they moved the center of worship. And to the Jews, they were those people. You probably remember the woman at the well. She was shocked when Jesus sat and asked her for some water. She said, you, a Jewish man, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for water. So there were two reasons that Jesus wouldn't have been likely to speak to her. She was a woman, and she was one of those people. But it's interesting that when Jesus came to earth, he spent a lot of time with those people. Those people that others didn't want to spend much time with, he, he pursued. And he's a little bit that way today, too. So these lepers came. If you can imagine them, they had torn clothes. You know, I always give girls a bad time. They've got these torn jeans. They, they actually buy them that way, pay, pay more money for them that way. And they were, so they were torn jeans. Their hair would have been disheveled. They obviously had a disease that ate away at their skin, which wouldn't have been a pleasant sight to, to see. And they called out. Imagine having to live your life every day, and if somebody started moving toward you, you'd say, unclean, unclean. So they would stay away from you. I feel that way about people in the airports who are wearing a mask. Don't you? It's usually people from, from Asian countries. And I think they're probably doing it for our protection. They're probably doing it to be nice so we won't get their cold or whatever. But gosh, when you see them with that mask on, it's just like, man, I want to walk over to the other side of the airport. They don't, they don't have to say I'm clean. I'm, I, I can see it. So the reality of these people is that they lived in misery. They were untouchables. They were shunned. They were those people regarded as less than most people, and they called out in a loud voice, Master, have mercy on us. So notice on your outline, they have some knowledge of who Jesus is. First of all, he's master. They acknowledge that. In other words, he's in charge. Secondly, they have some knowledge of what he is like. He's merciful. And thirdly, they have some knowledge of what he is capable of, and that is to make a difference in their life. So interestingly, when, 
when they called out to Jesus, have mercy on Master, have mercy on us, Jesus told them to go to the priest. And the reason he did that is because the priest was the one that would look at someone and determine if they were clean or unclean. In other words, if they were healed of leprosy or not healed of leprosy. And they were, they were declared clean and their lives would never be the same. I don't think we can probably identify much, you know, being shunned from society. They couldn't go to church. They couldn't go to synagogue. They, they couldn't touch anyone. They were disenfranchised from society. And they called out to Jesus, Jesus, have mercy. And he healed them, sent them to the priest. One returned. I really, I still don't, I find that really hard to understand. Imagine if your life is in such turmoil. It would be like somebody today living a life of horrible, horrible sin and Jesus forgiving them and only one returns. Only one. Only one says thank you. Now my mom would have slapped their face. She was pretty fussy about that. My mom, this was hard for me when I was in college because the women's movement was beginning to rise and if you'd open a door for a woman, sometimes they'd look at you like, Phew. but I did it anyway because I was afraid of my mom. <laughs> you know, you, you always open the door and let a woman walk through first. You always open the car door and let the woman get in first. You always pull out the chair so the lady can sit down. I did that one time in Fairmont Hot Springs. Pulled the chair off for Ginger to sit down. It was kind of a special weekend for us. And I pulled it out to sit down. And she walked around the other side of the table and sat down because that's what she was used to. She thought I was pulling out for myself. <laughs> and the people at the next table thought that was awfully funny. So imagine not saying thank you. I mean, when I'll, when I'll make an order at Subway, for example, I'll, s I'll tell them what I want on there, and, and then I'll say, that's what I'd like if you would be so kind as to prepare it for me. And I'll always say thank you. So I want you to think about your life in terms of B.C. and A.D. So we all know what B.C. means. B.C. means before Christ. Think of it. Every time we give a date, we're acknowledging the significance that Jesus had on civilization. We measure time in terms of before Christ and then Anno Domini, A.D., which means the year of our Lord. So we would say this is 2019 A.D. or 2019 in the year of our Lord. It's been 2019 years since our Lord was here. So what happened in your life when you met Jesus? I mean, when you really truly gave your life to him, what happened? Imagine, and you know, we've thought about this a little bit before, but I, so ju just imagine, we've got the video screen here. 
And uh, Nadine's going to play a video of your life, B.C. Every detail. So get out the popcorn and the milk duds. and We're going to watch a film about Linda's life, B.C. Or my life, B.C. I wouldn't want you to see it. Would you want me to see yours? I don't think so. Some of us seem to be worse than others, but our life before Jesus wasn't really that good. I was selfish. I was self-centered. It was me first. After me, you're first. Uh, I tried to find the picture, but I couldn't find it. Uh, that I talked about a couple of weeks ago where I was standing on the front porch of my house. It was a 35-foot trailer that I lived in. And I had on my work clothes. I worked on a construction job, had my hard hat on, and cigarette in my hand, and I was smiling, and this tooth, tooth right here was missing. I look at that picture, and I think, golly, that brings back a lot of stuff. I was one of those people. So what happens that is that demarcation point from B.C. to A.D.? What happens? Basically, it's like waving, the, waving a white flag. We don't see that much anymore, but I remember in the cowboy movies when I was a kid, they'd be shooting it out and somebody would pull out a white flag and they'd wave the white flag. What does the white flag mean? Surrender. I surrender. I'm not gonna, in other words, I'm not going to fight anymore. Now, I, I don't know about your past, but I know enough to know when you were converted, when you made that turnaround, you probably said, God, I'm not going to fight you anymore. The first 25 years of my life were about fighting God. He, he was after me, and he was not after me for bad things. He was after me because he wanted to do good things in my life. But I wanted to go my way, not his way. I don't want somebody telling me what to do. But then I waved the flag of surrender, got on my knees, and said, Lord, if you'll just forgive me, I will do anything, which means I surrender. I surrender. I'm not going to fight you anymore. Truth is, we still fight him sometimes. We don't sing the old hymns much anymore, but because of the era that I was brought up in, I remember many of the old hymns. And I thought of this one the other day, All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will evermore love and trust him. In his presence daily live. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. I surrender. I remember as a, as a kid and, and as a young adult too, hanging onto the back of the pew in front of me. My hands were just shaking like that. I was fighting God. I didn't want to go, on, go up front and give my life to him. And you let go. Okay, I surrender. I'm not going to fight you anymore. 
Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So think about how much of our lives are about us, what I want, my goals, my hopes, my plans, my dreams, my expectations, what I want. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, say no to himself, and take up his cross and follow me. When we do that, that's when we change from B.C. to A.D. I don't know, I didn't, hadn't thought about it. Let's see, I'm 49 years in the, in the year of our Lord, 49 years for me since I gave my life to Jesus. And a lot's changed. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So 10 came, one is... One returns and gives thanks. They said in a loud voice, Master, have mercy on me. He came back in a loud voice, but this time he's giving thanks to God. He was saying, unclean, unclean, but now he's been cleansed. He raised his voice, and the way I picture it is to live your life Following Jesus is to live your life on your knees with your hands raised. Just kind of get that, get that picture in your mind. On your knees, communicate surrender, and then with your hands raised, saying thank you. So what I want you to think about this morning is what was your life like before Jesus? And I assume it's significantly different now than it was before Jesus. And think about the fact that we stop and give thanks for a changed life. So we're going to receive communion this morning kind of in the middle of the sermon. I'd like to ask those who are serving to come if you would, please. And really... You know, some of you grew up in a tradition where you call this the Eucharist or the giving of thanks. So think about the communion elements being the turning point between B.C. and A.D. I made a decision and my life significantly changed from what it was to what it is now. Not because I tried harder, not because I worked harder and got better, but because I received the price that he had paid for my life. So with me this morning as communion is being passed, think about what has changed in your life? What's different now than from before? And then just spend some moments be a song being sung as the communion is being passed, but just take some time to give thanks to the Lord for the great change that he's brought to your life. So come and serve us and let's worship the Lord as they do. Amazing love that welcomes me the kindness of mercy 
with blood wholeheartedly my soul undeserving God you're so good God you're so Be to God. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory, us the victory. Through, our Lord Jesus Christ. through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God, be to God. For, his for His indescribable gift. It is written, it is written. Let, us him Let us come before Him with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. It, is it is written, Give thanks to the Lord, thanks to the Lord. call on His name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. 
Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done. It is written, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Bow your heads for just a minute. One of the things I do every morning is spend a few minutes writing in my journal. Usually the first thing that I do is tell the Lord that I love him and then, and then I list things that I'm thankful for. And I, this morning I want you to think about your life before Jesus, your life since you met Jesus. And would you just take a moment or so and just, just say two or three things that you thank him for. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've changed my life. Turned me from darkness to light. From resisting you to following you. Thank you, Lord, that you came at a desperate time. I didn't do anything. I just said yes to what you were offering. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. And Lord, this morning we thank you. It's, it's just unimaginable to me that the creator of all things left heaven, all of its majesty, and you invaded this dark world <coughs> and gave your life on the cross, paying our price. Lord, help us live in gratitude for that fact. We have eternal life because of your great sacrifice and we thank you for it. Let's receive the communion elements together. So notice the blank on your outline. This Christmas, let's focus on Christ. Look what he's done. Too little of Christmas. Jared talked about this a little bit last week. Too, too little of Christmas is focused on Jesus. We focus on decorations and gifts and things that we'll get, even things that we'll give. But in light of what we have just thought about, we want to be mindful of the transformation that took place between B.C. and A.D. Grateful, forgiven, free, better person, treat others better, change for the better, old life to a new life, happier, so many blessings in new life. Allie, introduced me to a phrase a uh, year or so ago. She said that, she, that there was the old alley and there's the new alley. 
It's very biblical, isn't it? The old life and the new life. She says the, the old alley wouldn't like the new alley very well. And the new alley doesn't like the old alley very well either. It's been changed. I, a few months ago, I, Ginger asked me to hang this up. So I hung it up. My office is just, you come in the front door, my office is just to the off, you enter, enter the house, and I just set this up on the sill above my office. Thankful. Because every day when I walk in my office to work, that's what I want to dominate my thinking. I'm thankful. Thankful for what God has done. I know what my life is like, was like. I know what he rescued me from. And I know that I deserve nothing of what God has given me. But I'm so grateful for what he did. Notice the blank. I love my new life. And I love the one who changed my life. That's what I want you to focus on. It's not just that I love my new life. I focus on the one who changed my life. In other words, I focus on the giver of the gift, not just the gift. My life is better because Jesus made it better. So this Christmas, when you open your gifts, I challenge you however you would do it, that you would take the gift and appreciate that, but focus more on the giver of the gift than the gift itself. It's, some of it has to do with maturity. But when you're a little kid, you don't think about who gave you the gift. You're not get out of my way. <laughs> Just focus on the gift. But this year, I encourage you to focus on the giver of the gift. That's the next blank. Focus on the gift or focus on the giver of the gift. And then focus on what has been given or focus on the one who gave it. So, Lord, today, I don't think words could ever express, at least I know the frustration of trying to express what you left behind and where you came and what you did and then where you went back to and the significance of that. But this morning, I pray that this theme would just run throughout Christmas. Jared talked about it a little bit last week and I'll talk about it again today as we leave Jesus out of Christmas so much. Help us, Lord, make you the centerpiece of Christmas this year. Christmas isn't Christmas without Christ in it. It's just something else, something far less. This morning, maybe there's somebody here who is still living life B.C., before Christ. And you've been fighting God. I don't want to give in. I don't want to give up. I'm not sure that I want to give up being the master of my own life and let him be the master of my life. But it's so much better if we do. If you're here today and you'd like to just yield your life to Jesus, Deny yourself and begin to follow him while everybody else's heads are bowed. Would you, just, would you just lift your hand? And you'd be saying by your lifted hand, 
I surrender. I'm going to stop fighting God and I'm going to follow him. Yes, I see you, sir. Thank you. God bless you, man. Anybody else? I surrender my life to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for the, your grace. Pray for this one, Lord. I lifted his hand today that, Lord, you would invade his heart, penetrate his heart, change it, cleanse him, purify him, set him free, and let those around him see the difference that you've made in his life.